Hello everyone, welcome to the MJ Schrainer Podcast, episode 1, wherever you're listening it to. Um, hope you're having a tremendous day discovering my podcast. Uh, pretty bonkers. But, um, on episode 1, the very first episode, the inaugural episode, um, you know, we're going to talk about a few things. Uh, mostly an introduction to my podcast, and we'll get into a few topics when we get there. But, you know, I just want to start off with an introduction real quick. I'm MJ Schrainer. I have opinions, I have hot takes, I feel like I know a lot about sports, probably don't, but, you know, if you don't like it, you can always respond, tell me what you think and why you think that, um, you know, I'm not an analyst, I'm not a reporter, I just am a guy with an opinion, you know, that's, that's how it is, you can find my socials, uh, on Instagram, Twitter, I don't, I don't know, at Mike underscore strain, it'd be like that, so, those are my socials, my podcast, probably gonna mostly talk about uh, basketball and football. Those are my two main sports. My two favorite sports. Something big happened somewhere else. I could always talk about that. Uh, I'm in Cleveland. So I'm a Cleveland sports fan. Cavs, Browns. I don't really care about baseball. But I do like, you know, watch a few Indians games. As I do. Um, so I am a little bit biased towards them. I'll try my absolute best as time goes. You know, to not have a bias. Or let my bias get in the way. You know, like, I'm not going to sit here and be all like, mm, Cavs going to win the NBA finals next year like no like I'll you know, I'll accept the fact that we got you know really messed up with the fifth pick that was really bad and you know I think we're gonna be out of contention for the playoffs and like for, for like freaking um you know three four five years you know I might have a few people on the podcast not on episode one but as time goes on I might have a few friends or whoever it may be on the podcast share their opinion we can go back and forth because it might be kind of weird to have only one person um, but that's the introduction, I guess. Um, that's who I am. It's the podcast. Um, I am still in high school, graduating this, graduating like two weeks. So, you know, you can sit here and call me out for that, but I still feel like my opinion is educated enough and it's validated. Um, so let's hop into it. We're going to talk about the NBA lottery. And of course, as I said, the Cavs got, you know, kind of cucked. With the uh, fifth pick when we had tied for the best odds. You know, something's a little bit fishy. You think about it. You know, three teams, of course, all had equal odds. The number one pick, 14% chance. Three teams were the Knicks, the Cavs, and the Suns. Um, Knicks had the third pick, Cavs fifth, Phoenix sixth. So it's like kind of weird that, you know, only one was in the top three. I guess it would be kind of weird if multiple were in the top three. But you know, to have only one in the top three and two of them, you know, are in the top five. One of which outside the top five. You know, even kind of brings more mystery to it. Talk about it even more. L.A. got the fourth pick. Lord knows how that happened. Uh, and New Orleans with the first pick. So I'm going to kind of, uh, first of all, I'm just going to break down the draft order. Those of people who don't know. Sacramento um, pick goes to Boston with the 14th pick. Miami 13, Charlotte 12, Minnesota 11. Dallas had 10, but it goes to Atlanta. Uh, 9, Washington. 8, Atlanta again. 7, Chicago, 6, Phoenix, 5, Cleveland, 4, LA, 3, New York, 2, Memphis, 1, New Orleans. So that's the order. Um, you know, Atlanta has two top 10 picks. Um, unfortunately, they're 10 and 8, which kind of puts them in a difficult situation. You know, it's not like they're going to get, like, some super prospect or whatever. You know, they're going to be out here sort of shooting for, like, long shots to an extent. Um, maybe guys who have some potential or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I want to, you know, not, I guess sort of break it down pick by pick. Uh, Zion, first pick, New Orleans. 
you know, when New Orleans first got the first pick, I was like, you know, me being a Cavs fan, I like David Griffin. And was like, Anthony Davis, help is on the way, and his name Zion Williamson, you know. And then he was like, no, I still want to be traded. But here's the situation that uh, uh, almost like Portland, the Pelicans are in. Um, the Pelicans, you know, let's assume they draft Zion, which is the layup pick. You know, it, you know, people were like, they could even draft John Morant. But if, I think Phoenix was the only team even entertaining that. Now they're the sixth pick, so it's irrelevant. Um, so Zion Williamson goes number one to New Orleans. You know, I have I don't like the media. I don't like the media, how they sort of create these fictional storylines. Like they were made up this story, like Zion could stay at Duke again to avoid playing for New Orleans. Like, does it? would anyone really hate to play for New Orleans? Like, it's not like New Orleans is a bad city. Like, it's, it's not a big market, but it's not a small market. And, I mean, yeah, their team isn't good, but, you know, they have new management and they can play their cards right to be in contention kind of quick, you know, with what they do with Anthony Davis. And Zion's stepdad was like, um, yeah, no, we're fine with New Orleans. And normally I hate when people sort of procl- proclaim stuff like it's fact, but to have his stepdad say, we're fine with New Orleans, basically saying we expect him to go number one overall. I'm fine with that. I think everyone kind of expects him to go number one, number one overall. I've been watching Zion since he was a junior in high school. And since I saw him and started watching him, his Balls Life mixtapes, when he was 16 years old, I was saying, this kid's going to be a number one pick one day. And people are like, He's like six. He's you know he's like sixteen. And I'm like, trust me, he will be a number one pick. Wraps up his senior year like the ranked number two recruit in the nation behind R.J. Barrett, you know. And people are like, this kid's good, but no one was saying he was a number one pick yet. People were still saying R.J. Barrett's the guy. Gets to Duke, and within, I would say five or six games at Duke, he was then the consensus number one pick. And I was like, what have I been saying for the last two years? So, you know, Zion going number one. And I think the Pelicans have sort of some interesting plays they could do. You know, obviously LA and New York are sort of like the top two teams he could go to. And I think Boston's also kind of in the mix. But Boston's sort of a mystery where at the end of the day, they have like a whole bunch of Robins and their Batman is also a Robin. Like Kyrie's never really been the guy on a championship team. He's always been Robin to LeBron. Before LeBron got there, the Cavs weren't in contention. And then he's in Boston, and Boston's lacking. You know, they made like what one conference finals appearance, and they got bounced in the second round the next year. So, you know, you got a bunch of Robins on a single court. You got no Batman, and Anthony Davis, he's never been Batman on a contender either. You know, and the thing that scares me about Anthony Davis is his numbers compared to Kevin Love 13-14 Minnesota Timberwolves season. Um, both put up, I think it was about 28 points per game and 12 rebounds. So what scares me about Anthony Davis, you know, and also he's never played with a superstar besides, you know, Boogie Cousins for half a season, if you want to consider him a superstar, but still it was half a season. Um, what scares me is that what if he gets traded to a team that, you know, he looks set and then he just turns into Kevin Love and all of a sudden averaging 18 points per game and like 10 rebounds. You know, and the thing about Anthony Davis is, like, he can't stretch the floor like Kevin Love. Kevin Love, great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. You know, sort of like, um, I'm not going to say he was the first stretch big, because, you know, that's Chris Bosh. But he's kind of, like, the first really good one, I guess. Um, 
you know, Anthony Davis can't stretch the floor, you know, as well as Kevin Love. Um, but he's more of a defensive presence, which means, you know, for me that, yeah, he can't stretch the floor, but his defensive presence will be felt, you know, even if on offense, his numbers do turn into a Kevin Love's. Um, so trading for Anthony Davis to like, to me is like a ballsy play. Like you don't know how he's going to be with other superstars because he's never done it before. He's been the Batman on a team that hasn't been able to make it out of the first round. And that's no knock on them because they haven't really given him talent. And he's had to play golden state every single like year. So it's not a knock on them because you know, the management can't help him. But at the same time, like stop acting like he's this the next best thing when LeBron at 22 took a bunch of wrecked basketball players to the finals. I'm letting my bias get in the way a little bit. That's fine. Um, so the thing about Anthony Davis is you don't know how he's going to react to being in a championship scenario because he's never been in it before. He's never been the Batman on a championship team, let alone be on a championship team, period, in the NBA. So yeah, LA and New York. And then, of course, Boston's still kind of in the mix. And as I was saying with Boston, they have the assets. You know, they can ship off, you know, Jason Tatum, Jason Terry, you know, whatever they're, you know, Jalen Brown, whatever they're going to do, you know, to get Anthony Davis. Try to re-sign Kyrie with that squad, which I think would be solid. And you have a dynamic duo of Kyrie and Anthony Davis and then a bunch of Robins, which I think can work. You know, I think that team could work and could do good in the East. Um, Other sort of like hypotheticals you know the whole new york Knicks situation they have like the third best title odds and it's purely based off hypothetical they were the worst team in the nba last year now all of a sudden have the third best title odds purely based off hypothetical situations where they sign kevin durant and kyrie and trade for anthony davis you know and all this happens but in reality it's like they don't have anyone they have kevin knox dennis smith jr they don't have chris Porzingis anymore who is like the only guy anyone would ever want to play with on their team. You know, Dennis Smith Jr. is not going to be some transcendent talent. I think he'll be a good point guard, but I don't think he's going to be like Derrick Rose, MVP Derrick Rose. Um, you know, Kevin Knox, I think he could be pretty good. He's only played a rookie season, so I'm not about to sit here and label him as a bust or as the next best thing because he's only played one year. So as far as how he goes, okay, who knows? Mitchell Robinson's showed off. He did really good, but... You know, you have a bunch of guys who are scrubs, like Frank Nitakia. What are you going to do with him? You know, I think Stephen A. Smith said best. Couldn't trade him for a bag of chips or for a box of cookies. Like, okay. Um, but it all kind of starts to make you enticing to trade for someone. Because you were enticing when you had Chris Stops. You had Chris Stops, players are like, yeah, you know, he could be a transcendent talent. He could be, like, the next best big man. And then you trade him. Why? I don't know because we were bored like i don't know um you traded like the trade doesn't make sense still to this day i don't really get the trade you gave up a lot of assets yeah sure there are cap fillers like but you gave up a lot of guys who could play basketball pretty well for more or less dennis smith jr wesley matthews who they cut and deandre jordan who's a big contract like nothing about that to me makes sense so it all kind of starts with trading for anthony davis if the knicks want to be enticing and my sort of cool hypothetical situation is the Knicks trade the number three pick plus other stuff um, for Anthony Davis. The Pelicans now have the first and three pick and they reunite RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson in New Orleans. I think that'd be really cool.
I think that would be really cool. You know, to me, when I look at R.J. Barrett, I think R.J. Barrett has more bust potential than Zion. Like, I think Zion, there's a better chance Zion is a rookie star, uh, rookie all-star than a bust. But I think R.J. also has a higher ceiling. You know, I think R.J. has potential to be better than Zion when their career is over. I think coming to the league, R.J. is going to experience more growing pains than Zion. Because Zion's game is just dominate the paint. And he does it so well, so efficiently. And he's so big. He's bigger than a lot of NBA players. Most NBA players, actually. At the Duke weigh-in, he was he would have been the second biggest NBA player at 285. Now he's about 280 is what people are saying. So, Zion can really come right out of the gate and, you know, play his game and put up, you know, 20 and 10 type numbers. While R.J. Barrett, who can attack the basket, not as well. And, you know, he's going to have to deal with the strength of NBA players and grown men. You know, so that's going to be growing pains. Having to adjust to the new, you know, distances on the court, that's going to be growing pains. Better defenders, growing pains. He's going to have a lot of growing pains. But once he gets over those growing pains, develops, and overall get better and gets better, I'm not saying he will, but he could be a Kevin Durant. And he's big. Or he's bigger than Durant already, muscle-wise. Just look at him. You're like, yeah, he's bigger than Durant. You know, so you have... The fact that he's bigger than Durant, and I think he has potential to be a Kevin Durant-type player where he can score on all levels, that's nice. Zion can't really shoot a jump shot. I'm not about to sit here and say, oh, he's this awful jump shooter. He can learn. He's not a good jump shooter, but I mean, he can, he, he's got some form of base going, and he can learn too. But his games attack the basket. He has His post-game is attack the basket. He doesn't, you know, turn around, do fadeaways, you know, stuff like that. He uses his post to then quickly turn to attack the basket. That's what he does. So, and on top of that, you know, what he does on the defensive end is, you know, completely different. You know, not necessarily man-to-man, but attacking the, or uh, protecting the paint and protecting the rim. He is tremendous. So on the defensive side of the ball, he's going to be big. On the offensive, on the offensive side of the ball, five feet away from the basket, he's going to be big. But then you have to bank off him developing a jump shot and being able to score on all five levels. Well, on RJ, he can already kind of do that. He's, you know, he's just going to overall have to develop, of which most rookies do. So it's no big deal. So I think RJ has potential to be better than Zion. Not necessarily right out of the gate, but if you talk about five years down, you know, if someone went back in time from five years in the future and said, RJ is better than Zion, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I can see it. I'm not surprised. And they're like, you know, but rookie year Zion's different breed. You know, rookie year Zion was a lot better than RJ. I'd be like, yeah, I'm still not surprised. That's what I expect. So reuniting Zion and RJ, I think would be really cool and really fun to watch. And really that team would be entertaining to sort of, you know, blow it up. But you're not really blowing it up because you got two guys who could come out and play probably right out of the gate. And then you're going to have this young core, you know, well, anticipating a young core because right now they don't have a ton of guys. But anticipating... A young core that I think this team could get into contention in a few years and the West is clearing up by clearing up I mean Golden State starting to collapse um you know there are some West teams that are getting better Rockets you know there is no super team so I'm trying to say there is no team that is unbeatable the Rockets can be beaten I think the Mavs you know they're gonna have inexperience and overall it's got to see how they turn out with Luka and, and Chris Stops and whoever they sign in free agency this year who I think they could target Kemba which would be really ent- really interesting you got to bank off the Lakers getting guys. Really, the West is open for the taking if Golden State collapses. That's a big if. Um, but at the end of the day, I think next year there will be no unbeatable team in the NBA. 
which means that for the Pelicans, it's the perfect time to sort of rebuild and mesh. And then within like three and five, three to five years, you could be a contender. Maybe if your experience is good uh, and you got some good vets in there. The number two pick was Memphis. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, kind of a surprise. They jumped up six spots. Um, I think they'll draft John Morant. You're going to kind of take a guy who can learn from Mike Conley as Mike Conley sort of on the other end of the hill. Um, you know, the Me- Memphis is in an interesting spot. They're in like, it's sort of like um, a, what what year was that? 2008, 2009 Pistons, where it was like this hodgepodge of guys who can win now, young guys who are still developing, and some guys with bad contracts. Like, that's sort of who this Grizzlies team is. You know, and, you know, I've talked to people and they said, well, they traded Marcus Gasol, so they're kind of on this, like, rebuild tank mode. Yeah, but they traded him for Jonas Valanciunas. Who can play? Like, they didn't trade Marcus Gasol for draft capital and cash considerations. No, they traded him for a guy who could play. You didn't trade Mike Conley. And, well, I mean, he's still got Chandler Parsons. That's a whole, that's a whole other can of worms. Um, so... You know, you have Mike Conley, whether or not they trade him, you know, if they trade him, the point guard position opened up, John Morant makes sense. They don't trade him, take John Morant, he can learn from Mike Conley and develop real well, you know, but this team is interesting, you know, so I was still kind of like thinking, what what if they trade the number two pick for like a win now player, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think taking John Morant's overall the smartest decision and just kind of waiting for these bad contracts because you can't trade Chandler Parsons. You have to give up some assets if you want to trade Chandler Parsons. Um, so you have to wait for his contract to expire. And, you know, I think a trade training by Conley is possible. He's got an awful contract, but I think trading him is possible. He's a three and D type of player who's solid. He can win now, you know, um, earlier in the season, I was saying Milwaukee should maybe target him later in the season. Indiana was targeting him. You know, it just kind of depends. You know, there is a market for him is what I'm trying to get at. And then you also have Jaron Jackson and a duo of Jaron, a young duo of Jaron Jackson and John Morant, you know, is something that I think could be a good foundation and good building blocks to build you know a contender i just don't know what memphis is doing right now they got really lucky to get the number two pick last year they got lucky for the four pick didn't they or they lose out i think they got lucky for the four pick yeah they did bro memphis got some draft luck um three knicks talked about it before if they don't trade the three pick for anthony davis i think overall it's just whoever's left John Morant or R.J. Barrett, which who I think, you know, is more than likely to be R.J. Barrett. So you take R.J. Barrett there. Knicks fans are tripping out. Like, oh, my God, we didn't get Zion? Oh, no, we're done. Like, John Morant and R.J. Barrett can ball. Like, yeah, Zion's in a tier of his own. But R.J. Barrett and John Morant could be, like, the top prospects in any other draft class. You pick a draft last year, they'd be the top prospects. The year before, they'd be the top prospects. Like, they're good. They they can play, and they're good building blocks. And as I said, I think R.J. Barrett has more potential than Zion. You get R.J. Barrett at three, that's a hell of a pick. You know, but, and again, but they could trade him. The Lakers at four. Jump seven spots. I don't even want to freaking talk about it, but we're going to talk about it. Um, this is kind of an interesting situation. I think they'll trade the four pick. But as time goes on, you think about it, who would they trade it for? Like, let's say they lose out on Anthony Davis. Which is a good chance because New Orleans still has no like intentions in dealing with the Lakers. 
So it is really, really, really possible that they don't get Anthony Davis. You have the four pick now. Who are you going to draft? And I think drafting um, Cam Reddish right here would be perfect. You know, he's a good catch-and-shoot three-point guy who's, you know, LeBron and, you know, I guess Lonzo too could really, really work with. You know, and I think, you know, those two dishing out passes to, or even Rondo if they bring him back on too, you know, to an open, you know, Cam Reddish with a catch-and-shoot three, that could be good. And, you know, that was sort of something that the Lakers struggled with besides health was overall their shooting. You know, so you add a shooter to the mix. I think that's a good point. But again, you're a win-now team. You are a win-now team. Like, you want to trade for someone. Anthony Davis, as far as I'm concerned, and really see, he's the only big fish. You know, it all kind of depends on what Washington's doing. They're in a situation where they could blow it up, but they're also in a situation where they could win now. And I think it all kind of comes down to DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins, you know, he could go to Dallas. He could go to L.A. I think L.A. would be a good destination. Could go to Washington, which I also think would be a good destination. You know, but if Washington misses out and they decide to blow it up, you know, they could trade John Wall. That's going to be an atrocious contract. Or Bradley Beal off to L.A. for the four pick. And, you know, obviously more assets, but I'm just saying – you know, that's sort of the base of the four pick and John Wall or Bradley Beal, probably Bradley Beal, because I think that he's kind of the guy more people want uh, because of that atrocious contract John Wall is going to have. So now you're looking at a situation where Washington has nine and four. That's a lot to work with in terms of building a young core. You still have the other guy, depending on who they trade. They got the other guy who they can try to dump off for more assets and whatever. And Washington could just blow it up and rebuild. But again, you're banking off Washington saying, okay, we're rebuilding, because they really don't have to. They are a good big man away from being a really good team if they could stay healthy. You know, if Dwight Howard could stay healthy, if John Wall can stay healthy and be good at basketball again, Bradley Beal can stay healthy, if they can get another good big man, like let's say DeMarcus Cousins, and he can stay healthy, they got a team. You know, they they got a team that could play. You know, bring in DeAndre Jordan or something, I don't know, but they probably need another score overall which will lead me into the five pick soon, I promise. Um, you know, and of course, I, that's a lot of what ifs. You know, they all got to stay healthy. They got to get a good big man who can score and play ball. You know, like that's how they have to win. But I think that that's not too difficult. And if they can get there, I think that they could be a really good team. You know, so it all sort of depends on whether or not Washington wants to blow it up or if they want to push for a contender. Other than that, there's not many people on the trade market. I don't think Milwaukee's going to dish off anyone that they were like whispered to have dished off earlier because now they have a winning team. They're not about to dump off one of those guys. You know, if the Raptors lose Kawhi, I guess maybe Kyle Lowry, but he can't play in the playoffs. I don't know. I wouldn't give up a number four pick for Kyle Lowry. Maybe I would if I got more in return. But, you know, I guess they could work something out like Kyle, like the four pick, Lonzo Ball, like Josh Hart oh, that's a lot of point guards no no but I guess it makes sense for like Cal Lowry and Pascal Siakam I don't know I'm just spitballing right now but I don't know that could work um the trade market is thin you're banking off free agency and really you have to push everything and even though you have more assets than really any other team I guess besides Boston and even then LA's assets is comparable to Boston's 
because LA also got more cap space, but their assets are really comparable to Boston's, and you're not going to get anyone because no one wants to do business with you, and it's just this awful situation that they're in, and whatever happens, happens. I got no beef with the Lakers even after LeBron left. You know, you just kind of learn to live with it. This is the second time it happened, so... Whatever happens to the Lakers, happens with the Lakers. I really don't know if they'll get anyone. But overall, I wouldn't be surprised if in October, they don't bring in anyone and LeBron says, trade me to the Clippers. Because my decision to come to LA had nothing to do with basketball. It was, you know, it was just about wanting to be in LA so I could do my business here. You know, I picked the Lakers because I felt like you had a good foundation going. But you clearly don't trading me to the Clippers so I can stay in LA and still win basketball games and don't have to wear out my body. Water break. <laughs> um, that's the Lakers. That's their recap. Um, Kuzma tweeted, you're welcome after the lottery. And um, I just responded with, you know, they're about to trade you and the four pick for Anthony Davis. Uh, who knows what'll happen though. Fifth pick. The Cavs. My disappointment is immeasurable. Really was hoping for a top three. Really hoping. This draft class is good. It is. It's probably going to be the best draft class we've had in a long time and will have for a long time. You know, there are some guys. DeAndre Hunter. He's great on defense. You know, he, he's great. On, he can attack the basket. Okay, cool. Jared Culver, and he's scoring all five levels. His jump shot looks stupid, dude. You can just kind of tell when someone shoots a jump shot whether or not it's going to translate to the NBA. His will not. I can almost promise you that he's not going to be able to score on all five levels, and his lack of size attacking the paint is going to make him a bust. I hate. I'm, I'm not going to act like that's a fact. He's going to prove me wrong probably, and he's going to end up being a beast. That's just my opinion. That's what I think. I really like Kobe White. 6'5 point guard at UNC. Can shoot the ball a lot. You know, he's you know, he shoots a lot. He can shoot it. He's got a nice jump shot. You know, he's I like him. But here's where I'm getting at. Two first round picks. Talks of us trading JR for a first round pick are in the works. Which means potentially on draft day could have three first round picks. I think that we should try to work out a deal to send Kevin Love to the Wizards for the nine pick, plus other assets, but specifically the nine pick. From there, you package every draft pick, every draft pick, and then you call New Orleans and you go, Kobe, and you go, hey, uh, the number one, you remember all these great times, David Griffin, you, you won an NBA championship here, you know how... um. We, we, you know, just throw us a bone. Maybe he'll take pity and remember the good old times and say, "Yeah," and we get Zion. Uh, but re really, you know, four first-round picks—that's a lot. That could work. Again, I really like Kobe White. I think Jared Culver could be nice. I know I was just—I know I was just disrespecting him earlier. Yeah, it's just kind of my emotions a little bit. I like DeAndre Hunter too. You know, all three I think can play. You know, if you have a whole bunch of first-round picks, you talk about packaging them, moving up, maybe drafting Bull Bull. I would love that too. Uh, another guy I really like is Darius Basley. Darius Basley was the ranked number one recruit in Ohio, 20-something in the nation. And he said, I'm not going to go to college. And he took a million dollars from Under Armour to just work out for a year. 
and he went from this projected first round pick like top 20 pick to all of a sudden a late second round pick because no one knows his game no one knows what he's been doing for a year no one knows if he can actually play we'll find out at the combine and also workouts but i would really love for us to trade for like a mid second round pick you know like maybe i don't know like sacramento with the 40th pick i don't know i just kind of picked a random one um and then draft darius basley there that's what i want because i really like darius basley and i think he is a low risk high reward type of player five pick out the way i'm not going to cover every single lottery pick let alone every single pick period um i'm just going to kind of honestly i could really just stop at five i don't know i'll go to six phoenix um you know they need a point guard you know when they had the the good odds for that number one pick there are talks that they would you know maybe take john Morant number one and not zion because they really need a point guard and i don't think that's stupid people are like oh they're, they'd be stupid to pass on zion but really you know in basketball you don't draft opposition need you draft off best available and you know if the guys who happens to fill your position whatever but if you felt that John Morant was comparable to Zion, and on top of that, he fills a position need being the point guard position, F it, full send. Draft John Morant number one. I won't bat an eye. You do you. You could also take Zion, and I wouldn't care. You know, I'd be like, yeah, that's a good pick. Um, but here's where it gets interesting. Number six, there are sort of some guys that could pan out. As I said, Kobe White um, could be a type of guy who I think, not. I wouldn't necessarily say Steph Curry, but... You know, a guy who could, you know, really shoot the ball well. But a guy who I think could be Steph Curry, Darius Garland. Like, this kid can play. Ranked number one point guard in his class for high school. Comes into college at Vanderbilt. Plays a few games. Balls out. Gets injured. Doesn't play again. But in those few games he played, you saw some magic. What you saw in high school, you saw a guy who could shoot the ball real well. At the combine, if he shows out, I like Darius Garland right here at six. He can shoot that ball. Phoenix, I don't know how Phoenix is so bad. They have so much young talent that not only is like young talent, but can play now. Josh Jackson, he's putting up numbers. No one's talking about him. DeAndre Ayton, putting up numbers. No one's talking about him. But Devin Booker, everyone talks about Devin Booker, so I'm not about to even mention him. But you had Darius Garland, another guy who can score the ball. You know, I guess, yeah, that sort of brings in some questions into who's going to facilitate is it going to be everyone's going to be ball dominant what's their role is going to be but Darius Garland would fill out that you know position need at point guard and I think he could be potentially could be the biggest sleeper in the class potentially you know it's hard to say biggest sleeper when I just said he could go number six but he could really show out and make people regret you know, for all, he could be better than John Morant. I don't know. He could be. I don't know why I'm, like, getting so aggressive. I don't know. He could be. <laughs> um, you know, so that being said, those are the top six picks. I'm not about to, you know, go through all of them individually, but I want to talk about a couple guys to me that interest me. You got Bull Bull. Bull Bull, son of Manute Bull, seven foot three. Seven foot three kid, gangly, you know, he's not strong. He can't shoot very well. You know, his jump shot is developing and he is starting to get a little bit of that jump shot going. You know, so that's something cool to see, especially when he's seven three. Uh he's not like he's 
it's you know it's easy to kind of when I say that kind of draw comparisons to Kristaps. Oh, he's tall, skinny, shoots the ball. Yeah, but he's not that much of a ball handler. And attacking the paint to him isn't the same, because him attacking the paint in college is just put your arm up and just toss the ball in, because no one's gonna block it. So that's what Bull Bulls type of game is. I would love to see him number nine to Washington. I think that would be you know pretty good for them. As I said before, they are like a good good center away from being this great team and i think bull bull could be the guy you know at least in this draft i think could be the guy you know i think also um if you look like later in the class you know there are a few other guys who could you know potentially be the guy like jante porter you know is one i still like charles bassey that's just me you know again those are two guys who are second round picks maybe late first round picks so i mean you wouldn't take them at nine but you know, shoot on Bull Bull, maybe try to trade for one of those picks and try to get one of those guys too for some insurance or something. Not like you guys have a ton of centers anyways. You know, like Jabari Parker. I guess he can play power forward. Dwight Howard, if he can stay on the court. Two other guys, that works out. Um, My favorite prospect, not really my favorite prospect, but um, just a guy who I, whose name I feel like saying, I'm going to wing this, Sika Domboya. Sure. French power forward, six foot nine. No one knows who he is. That's the mystery of Domboya. He put up stat. He put up a stat line that you're like, what? He's a top prospect. He's like ten points a game. Like, excuse me. You know, there was a point when he was seen as like a top three pick. So, Domboya is this unknown guy who no one ever really sees film on because he plays in France. And some guy one day just said he's good, and then everyone went, oh okay and ignored his stats i don't know who he plays like i don't know how he plays i've never seen him play before i've just kind of look at his stat line have seen what he looked like a couple times and know his position his height and where he plays and where he's from like that's about as deep as it goes so demboya is the type of guy who i you know like if you're looking at your draft board and you're just kind of like hey you know everyone else kind of sucks except for this guy Kobe, you know, like Domboya could be a guy who could ball out. I've heard he plays like Ognabi, you know. So he's you know more of a inside presence, you know, plays a lot, you know, plays good defense, offensively scores inside, you know, like that's the type of guy he would be. And I guess in that case, I don't really know. I guess Atlanta would make sense considering their offense. A lot of it, you know, is. It's kind of based off the three-pointer, having a guy who can attack the basket, making your offense overall more versatile. You know, you already have all that space from Trey Young, and, you know, they can all shoot. You know, why not add a guy who can attack the paint down there? Um, You know, and again, with the eighth pick, too, there's potential of them taking Cam Reddish, who's another shooter. You know, so you have all these shooters. You trying to be the Warriors? Add a guy who can attack the paint. Add a Draymond Green. Add a Sigurd Dumboya. Draymond Green's honestly a good comparison. Um, so those are all my prospects. Those are all the picks. You know, I, don't, I guess I don't really know what else to talk about. I guess other sleepers, Kevin Porter Jr., who's a guy who gets slipped. Nasir Little, another guy who no one really knows. Well, I mean, everyone knows Nasir Little, but he didn't really perform in college. So at that point, you're kind of banking off his, you know, what he can do, you know, being able to translate to the NBA well and not being able to translate to college. And they are they're not two totally different games, but they're two different games where you could have one thing in college, 
you know, and then get to the NBA and you suck. Or you could have one thing in college and suck, get to the NBA and you do great. Like, it's happened before, and don't try to act like I'm wrong. Same thing with this year, Little. You know, so that's the type of guy who, you know, getting towards, like, the mid of the first round where you're just sort of drafting guys who are, you know, you know you're just drafting random guys at that point. You're just kind of looking at your board and going, bop. You know, so Nasir Little is the type of guy who you can be like, yeah, you know, he's a big name. He did good in high school. You know, he's a guy who can play like Kawhi Leonard, great on defense. Bring him in. Like, we'll see what happens. You know, if he doesn't pan out, you know, it was the 20th pick. Who cares? You know, if he does pan out, like, we got to steal. Um, Roy Hichimura is another guy who I like, par forward to Gonzaga. Um, you know, so a lot of these guys, you know, I think there is some late round potential. It just all kind of depends on how you play it. Uh, Boston, again, we're sort of recapping what I talked about earlier. There's a lot of trades that could potentially happen. And again, Boston with three first-round picks, four picks in total. They have a lot of firepower to maybe go after Anthony Davis. And that's not even to mention the assets that they have, you know, on their team with Jason Tatum, Jason Terry, you know, Jalen Brown. You know, the list goes on. Gordon Hayward, if they look to move him, which I don't know if they'll do, but I guess the potential is there. Um, a lot of things could happen. And this NBA season is going to be very entertaining. And I'm really excited for the draft and the summer league and, you know, to see the trades happen. Um, so, guys, that will conclude this podcast, podcast episode one, MJ Schrainer. Um I have been your host, MJ Schrainer, as you may have guessed. Uh, didn't get into football today. Might get into football later. You know, there's not a whole bunch of football going on right now because you're in that point between like the draft and training camp when it's just OTAs and a lot of the storylines are just some BS stuff like Odell not showing up for training camp it's like okay cool like he showed or I mean not training camp OTAs and it's like okay cool like he showed up for the first one like that's good it's Odell freaking Beckham he doesn't got much to do like I'm sure he's been working out um so I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast you know I'll be making these as often as I can again with school you know, the summer's coming up, so I should have a ton of time to make podcasts. My friends will have free time, and we'll get them in. You know, we'll talk about sports. We'll all have fun opinions and hot takes. You know, and that's, and, you know, my hot take of the day was Anthony Davis could be the next Kevin Love. So, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed, and I'll see you on the next podcast. Peace. Peace.